0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: The Athletic. Do you have now a special title? You're one of these guardians, aren't you? Do I have to call you Guardian of the Trust? Sir George of Coggan?
2: Lord, Lord Colkin, I think. <laughs> the Guardian. Gu- Guardian Colkin. I don't know. I'll think um.
1: about that. Hello and welcome to Pod on the Tine, your go-to Newcastle United podcast brought to you by The Athletic. My name is Taylor Payne and coming up on this week's show, we're joined by Newcastle legend Warren Barton will be with us for a fantastic chat. We're going to be talking about his involvement with the 1892 pledge and the Newcastle United Supporters Trust we'll be discussing his emotional link to the club and also have a look back at his time in black and white. But before we get into all of that, uh, let's tell you about the latest offer from The Athletic. You can subscribe to The Athletic UK right now for a special price of 3.99 a month for 6 months. That's 40% off the full price of a subscription. You'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all of our podcasts. So get yourself to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod to take advantage of the special 40% discount. That's theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod.
3: Brought to your ears by The Athletic, I'm Adam Hurry, and Football Cliches is the podcast you never knew you needed. Every week, to quite unnecessary depth, we examine the words, the phrases, the accepted wisdom, the mannerisms, the habits, the gestures, the symbols, the sounds and the smells that everyone takes for granted in football, but which really are the glorious glue that holds it all together. For example, have you ever really listened to the Football League Goals Roundups? I mean, really listened to them? Because they all sound pretty much like this. Team X went into this game with just one win in their last 13 and when Team Y took the lead inside four minutes at Stadium Z, the home fans were probably starting to fear the worst. But Striker A had other ideas and this game turned on its head in the space of five minutes midway through the second half. First, a smart finish from the edge of the box brought Team X level and he repeated the trick on the hour mark to bring his tally for the season to 22. By now, Team X were in the mood, and although Striker A squandered a guilthead's chance to complete his hat trick, on loan Dutchman winger B made it three with a curling effort from long range. Team Y's misery was compounded in stoppage time when midfielder C's late challenge on fullback D saw them reduced to 10 men. An afternoon to forget for Manager E's men then, but Team X will hope they have finally turned a corner under caretaker boss Manager F. Listen to Football Clichés wherever you get your podcasts and also ad-free when you subscribe to The Athletic.
1: So, it's an absolute pleasure uh, to say
4: we are joined by none other than Warren Barton. Warren, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, Thank you very much. It's been a, a bit of an eventful Seven, eight days to to say the least. Um, you know, obviously the momentum that we've gained uh, with the pledge, uh, and then cheering for Wolves getting a result, and then obviously seeing the boys get a, a big, big three points. So it's fantastic. amazing uh, how a good three points can make you have a good week. So yeah, it's been a it's been a fantastic week. It certainly does, so, so give us a little bit of
1: info about where you are at the moment, what's your current activity, What what is Warren Barton up there with him?
4: You really want me to tell you? In you're jealous. Um, Definitely, tell me, <laughs> uh, come on. <laughs> uh, I was lucky enough in 08, I had the opportunity to come over to America, uh, been yeah. coming here for many, many years on vacation, and I'm lucky enough I settled in a place called San Diego, which is about 100 miles south of uh, Los Angeles. Um, arguably, apart from Newcastle, uh, probably the, the best place in the world to to live. Um, 364 days of the year it's 60 degrees or 70 degrees oh you wouldn't um, now yeah I know so I'm doing I'm doing, a, doing some coaching I'm coaching my kids which I, I love doing at an academy level uh, working for Fox Sports uh, whether it's been World Cups Champions League uh, Premier League but now MLS so yeah I'm, I'm very very lucky I've made a big step as I said many years ago but uh, it's paid off it's amazing what a bit of sunshine can do to you
1: Absolutely. Well, it was snowing here yesterday. So, you know, you're lucky not to have be been in the northeast of the
2: minute. Yeah, you can go off, you can go off, people, Warren. You do know that. Yeah, you? I know, I know. I
4: didn't really want to say too much. I didn't want to say the beach is only 100 yards away, but I thought I'd leave that out. Mm. <laughs>
2: well, I was going to say, a bit, before you spoilt everything, um, I was going to say it's, it's such a kind of nice story, but try and explain how a Londoner who now lives in the United States has such an association with Newcastle and has such an association with Newcastle that you've been asked to be part of the pledge scheme. I mean, we want to talk about what that means, but just try and explain a bit, in your own words, your association that you have with the club.
4: Well, obviously, with the the, the signing of, of joining Kevin Keegan uh, and the entertainers, myself and Les Ferdinand, David Ginola and Shaka Hislop, was a big move by the club at the time to spend that type of money and then to follow it up, obviously, with Alan Shearer the following year was a great honour. I was lucky enough at the time at my old team, Wimbledon, that there was a lot of speculation whether it was Arsenal, Sheffield Wednesday, Everton, Man City, Celtic, and, and even in Italy, Roma. So there was, a, there was a bit of speculation about that. But once I'd been in the North and played against Newcastle and been around Peter Beersley with England, Rob Lee, Steve Howie, John Beresford, uh, and obviously Barry Venison. I, I never want to forget Barry because Barry was great. Because in theory, I was actually coming to take his place. Um, and he was great the way he was professional. And anyone that knows Barry, he wants the best for the club, best for the Northeast. And that gave me a sense of what it's like to be involved in the Northeast. My mum's from the North, she's from Hull, um, but she moved back. She moved to London many, many years ago when she was a young girl. But we've got relations up there. So, you know, I understand the mentality of, of the Northern people as such of working together, sticking together being open um, and that's really what I am as well you know I give everything I've got I'm not a David Ginola I'm not a Peter Beardsley but I give everything I've got when I'm asked to do that and meeting Kevin Keegan as I did the first time in a hotel in London made me realize pretty quickly it's a special place it's a special area Uh, it has a special mentality and something that I really thrived in and not just talking about the football club uh, I'm talking about the people the area the region. and something that I thrived under. Now, whether that was Gary Speed, Rob Lee, Shay Given, Alan Shearer, all very good friends of mine, or even people like Derek Wright and Tom O'De Kitman and Tony Doward as well, people in the club that I've got great affection with and, and great memories with. Not just with the success that we had on the field, but that being open and honest and loyal and looking and having each other's back, which I don't think you get. Well, I don't. No, no, I don't think. I, I know you don't get that everywhere, and that's what's really ingrained in me as a as a boy when I was growing up is to you know to be loyal to work hard and then I went into that environment and that area and that region and that's really how it felt forget about the football side the football was brilliant I've never experienced anything like I had 220 games you know playing in front of them fans but I'm talking about how it was to live in that area and to be around and to walk yeah. into a supermarket so hopefully that gives you an insight it's not just about I'm great to wear the shirt and that comes a given to me. I'm talking about what made a Londoner settle in the northeast, and really I didn't want to leave. It was Bobby saying, and Bobby being a great, great coach, realizing it was the right right time to get rid of an older man and bring through a younger player at the time and compete and and challenge. And, you know, um, that's why when I see what's happening and see the club and people up there and whether it's people that I know, friends of mine, I still keep in contact with, because I loved it. I, I loved, I loved what it was all about. Uh, and, and that's really coming from inside because that's what I was brought up to do to, to give everything you got. And I did that. I gave it to the area. They gave it back. And, and as I said, it was, it was a magnificent time.
1: You hear this from a, from a few former players and uh, especially people from outside the area, they, they often talk about the connection that they feel once they leave. And it, it seems like it stayed with you right up until now. What was the thing behind getting involved with the trust? Uh, is that something that you've known about for a long time or is that something that's just been a recent thing for you?
4: No, I've, I've known it's been, if you like, simmering along, whether that's the right word, but the right phrase. But I know it's been simmering in the background. And then probably in the last three, four five months, it's got a lot more momentum. And that's when I was first contacted uh, about it, hearing the people that were involved. And I go back to what you George know, jo- just said, is, is that the easy thing is to do nothing. The easy yeah. thing, and, and that's in my career. Even John, I could tell you a quick story that when times was bad and George was obviously reporting on the team at the time, John Beresford pulled me one time after training and said, you know, Warren, Warren you know, the fans are getting on your back. They're having a go at you. Maybe you're a bit too honest, a bit too low. Just you know, don't always try and get the ball. And I said, Bez, I can't do anything different. I ain't going to shy away from it. And <laughs> I'm, my only yeah. way to go through it is to take a step forward. And that's what happened with this. We've sat back for so many months, so many years, and not done anything, and whinged about it, moaned about it. The hardest thing actually to do is is do something about it, and we mm. did. And not just us. There's so many people that's done so much work, way way before I got involved. The phone calls, the Zoom calls, everything else that's been going on through a pandemic as well, and then being given the opportunity to come on board and just to be a guardian was a very very easy, simple decision to to, to make, and and something that. I'm proud to do. Um, I'm honoured to do as well. And I wanted to do something. I, I, you know, What is there to do? What can we do? Whether it's on social media, getting some momentum, whether it's doing an interview on BBC or Sky or a local Chronicle paper, whatever it is, what can we do to, to, to generate some sort of positivity through an awful, awful time pandemic and also the way that, that the team was, was going at that time? And mm. maybe it's to kick up the backside that everybody needed maybe it's given someone a bit of a wake-up call to say, hold on a minute, look at, look at what this club is. Look at what this yeah. people, these clubs are. So maybe out of a dark, dark time, there's a positivity and a shining light because you can see what it's done to all the fans, not just in the North I'm talking all over the world that on social media. There's, there was a group of people that just got together and gave 500, not only, but 500 pounds, rather than just doing little bits that got together. And that's got fans yeah. together. That's got people together. To have that feel-good factor.
2: So, for people who were on holiday or on a different planet or whatever last week, can you please try and just explain what the pledge scheme is
4: and what what your role is as a guardian? I'd start with the second question, Joe. The, the the guardian is to make sure that the, the money that these people are pulling in, and whether it's a, a pound, a dollar, or five hundred pounds that we've seen, is going to be used in the right way, you know, and whether that's worst worst scenario that the club goes down and we've seen it happen to uh, a Leeds, Berry, Hearts in the, in the Scottish League and, and we've seen it not far down the road of what's happened to mm. that lot. We would have wanted to be prepared that if anything happened, the fans, and it should have all happened a long time ago, you know, the fans should have some sort of voice in the club because without that, you know, w- without that um fan base, it's not a football club. You know, it's not that, that, that team. So that's the first and foremost. So, People have been asked to be a guardian and there's a group of us that have been able to do that. And that's to make sure that, you know, if the worst scenario is we're in a position to have to save the club, to try and take the club forward. Uh, If that doesn't happen and someone on the white horse comes, you know, charging in, we can use that money to go into local charities in the northeast. So the pledge is really, and we, we'd love to have the opportunity of, of a monthly payment uh, of like you do with a, a direct debit and, and just pay it, whatever you can afford. Uh, and we all know it's it's difficult, but you can be reassured by the people, the guardians that are going to make sure that money will have an influence either in the football club or in the in the, in the the region, in the area. And by having that, you know, what it started already nearly 50,000 pounds. All of a sudden, that starts to be a hundred thousand. Then it starts to getting up to half a million. Yeah. And you know, we, we'd love to get to that total of, of three million to have one percent uh, involvement. So basically, it's the fans all over the world having a voice in Newcastle United Football Club. Now, if that doesn't happen, and we hopefully that whoever the new ownership would be smart enough to say, you know what? Look what these fans have done off their own back, not anybody else. It's not been an incentive by the government or the football club or a wealthy uh, consortium that's put together. We've done this uh, as a group of people. When I say we, it happened a long time ago. They would want us to have it on the board. Now, that money will be there and then it'll be utilised in the right way, whether it's, as I said, to a charity or to, to put the football club in the right direction and to, to take the club where it should be, which is challenging for honours. Listen, when I was there, we we, we come short. But at least we had a bloody good go about it. Yeah, C- certainly yeah. did.
2: Yeah, and full disclosure, I, I was asked to be a guardian as well, and I'm very, very privileged. I suppose to put it to boil it down to its absolute bare minimum is is that we're there to make sure that the money is not misspent, that it's used for what it's intended to do. So, along with Ian Ian Merns and Lee Humble, who's a um, who's an accountant, so that's what we're there for. And what a what a thrill it is. I mean, I guess the thing is that you know we've seen. We've seen how much Newcastle means to fans, but we've also seen how much Newcastle have have kind of ignored their fans over the last ten years or more. And it's really about, as you say, it's about that simple act of doing something and trying to remind people that actually it's our football club, it's not their football club, it's our football club, and wanting to be part of whatever decisions are made in the future.
4: George, sure, so what really hit home to me is again on social media, and in you know whether it's in the paper, however it's been. Fans didn't want to go to the stadium. They didn't want to watch a game. For me, that's heartbreaking because I know Monday to Friday how hard people are working and they're rubbing their hands and they're like, right, let's go. It's Saturday morning. Let's go and meet somewhere, wherever we meet, get the kid's shirt on. Let's get ready. Now, wife can quickly go and do her things. Let's all meet together. We're going to walk up to the stadium and have that buzz around. And you can feel that in the area. You can feel it in the air. When we used to sit on the bus Going to the game or walking into the uh, stadium before with Kevin, with Rude, with whoever it was with, with Sir Bobby, you could feel it in the air, the anticipation, the excitement, and people are not getting that, and that's the least they deserve. That's the least that a fan deserves when they're going to a football game is to have that buzz, to have that feeling. Okay, so it's three o'clock. The game. Let's all right. Let's meet at eleven o'clock. <laughs> that's that's yeah. how. It, and again, it, that's how it. That's how it used to be. That's how it should be. Um, and when I heard that, that people was like, mm, I'm not sure whether I really want to go with my dad. I've been a season ticket holder for 25 years. I don't know whether we're going to go. I mean, that to me is demoralising. If I was you know, a I was, and a manager, I was one of those fans, and, like, and, Warren.
1: That was me.
4: Yeah, and if if I heard that, I would take that personal. I would think, what on earth are we doing? Because mm-hmm. if we can't get the best fan, in my opinion. And it's, again, it's only my, the best fans in the world because they're there. When we went in the championship, there's still 45, 50. No other people are getting that. When we was doing well, there was 52. There was another 10,000, 15,000 people on the waiting list. There was 10,000 people at the club store at midnight trying to get a shirt. Mm. So, you know, that's what the potential of the club is. And, you know, it's, it's for me, it's it's heartbreaking that you feel like that, that, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to I'm not gonna go with my son today to the game. I, I'm going to give yeah. it to someone else. I mean, that that's... I would feel an obligation that I've, I've i'm doing something wrong it was heartbreaking as a fan to go through
1: that to be honest because I've got a boy who's nine year old and i want to take him to the game and he's been with with me a few times and he absolutely loves it but the, there comes a point as a fan where you kind of say, you know enough is enough with this i'm 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 putting in money here which which I'm seeing nothing back for from the club. i've never actually uh, I, I don't get the feeling from the club that, that they even care about fans anymore. So it, as a fan, it's a really, it, it was a real wrench to do that, to walk away, to say, you know, I've had enough of this. Um, and it's, I, I mean, this this week, the feeling from the fans, that since the pledge was launched, it's felt great seeing all of that support on social media and seeing everybody getting behind it. I think Newcastle fans just need to feel involved, they need to feel like they're doing something. And at the minute, we can't do anything. We can't be in the ground. We can't, you know, we can't cheer for our team. So seeing that wave of support on social media over the week was, it was a great feeling. It really
4: felt good. George, I mean, hopefully you can do it, George, again, that quick story about the food bank, because that that's hit home to me. There's certain things about the club and about the the pledge and, the, and, and what it means to people with the food bank. Because like I said, the anticipation of going to a stadium should be there all the time. but you had a great you know story about that.
2: Well, I think one of the reasons why the food bank is, I mean, you know, it's horrible that we have the food bank. It's horrible that it's necessary. but one of the re- yeah. reasons it's kind of resonated with people so much, I think, is that it's given people a meaning to their Saturday or to their match day. So people can go to the stadium, they can donate to the food bank, give money or give actually bring food, and feel something about their club, feel something. Um, you know that they're doing something kind of productive that's certainly how I've felt about it and you know it's horrible to have that thought that the bit where you walk into the stadium is going to be the least enjoyable the most empty part of your Saturday you know and I think that's why something like this something like the pledge really does and and well has kind of caught the mood and and because you know what is a club it's a collection of people and and that collection of people are the fans. We've seen that over the last year, you know, with nobody in the stadium, we see how withered football has become and how Mm -hmm. empty it is. I mean, it's literally empty, but it's also sort of, um, you know, philosophically empty as well. And, you know, we need to get back. We need to kind of rediscover our own power because there is power. It's just that it's been ignored. So unfortunately, you know, it's, it's at the point where we're having to do stuff for ourselves again. But I, I do think that's why there's been such a big response to the pledge pledge scheme so far. And hopefully it continues because people want to feel part of something again and they want to do something.
4: I bet a bottom dollar, the, the first game when we have fans, there's going to be some roar, there's going to be some atmosphere because this pledge scheme, is, like you've said, has got a lot of people infused again. You know, that enjoyment, that together again. Regardless of of who he is or whatever, I think they're going to be such an outpour of atmosphere going to that, say in the first game, because everyone's been keyed up and they want to, we know how quick it could turn around, how quick, if you got some results, you've got some momentum, how the atmosphere could change like that. Listen, I have got booed off after beating Watford 1-0 and Bradford 1-0. So we used to get booed off. I'm not saying it was always great, but we knew <laughs> what we had to do. And that was when, you know, things was going well. But mm-hmm. I just think and I just as I said I bet my bottom dollar that if it really comes to the first game and that there's a there's a sense of excitement the atmosphere is going to be incredible I- incredible because I think there'd be a frenzy of excitement
3: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
2: This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Why do you take it so personally? I mean, I've seen, you know, the stuff you say on Twitter, but, you know, this version of Newcastle, which is a long way removed
4: from your version of Newcastle,
2: why are you still bothered? Why do you take it so personally?
4: Oh, yeah, that's a great question. Um, without getting emotional with it, because it's, it, it was a big part of my life, George. It, it was, you know, with my, my family being up there, and i worked so hard to play for a club, you know, as a young boy and there's millions of kids want to do it. They want to play. Um, and you want to be involved, but it meant so much to, to play for the football club. To, I was honored to be involved with the club for someone like, you know, it, as you get older, you get a little bit more sentimental maybe. And, and that's why me, I'm getting a bit emotional, but to have someone like Bobby Robson, make you a captain. Oh, I know Alan got injured and Alan's my captain and leader and a friend of mine. But I, I just know what the club is. And when I went there as a boy from Wimbledon to go and play and the way I was uh, involved in the club, the way I was treated was, was so special to me. And, and, you know, whether it was the kids when we was out, whether we was going and just being looked after the way we did. And that's why I want to give everything back to the game. And that's why I was a PFA chairman as well. And that's why maybe I was on the clip. I want to give something back. And that club gave me so much. And the area and the people give me so much. And I just felt an obligation that I ain't gonna just sit it. I made great friends, Rob Lee, Gary, you know, Gary Speed, what you know, Shea Given, Alan, Norbertus, all of them, you know, all of all the people that I was involved with, even the bad players. We had a good time, even the bad ones. <laughs> but it, it just it just it just made such a great memory for me. And it was a special time in my life. It was a great time in my life. And, and listen, I'm having a great time there. Don't, don't, don't get the violins out. I don't want you to feel sorry for me. And I know you won't. <laughs> but I, I just want people to, to remember what that club is and what the people are and what the city is. And as I said, it, it's, it, it's hard just to let it go and just because it ain't a normal club. And then it's not just normal fans. It's special. It's a special, special place. And that's why, as I said, I get emotional about it. I get angry about it. I have every emotion because it, it deserves better. The, the people deserve better of what's going on. Um, and as I said, it could be quite easy just to go off and, and not worry about it, but that, that's, I, I feel that they had my back. So I want to give, I want to get their back. I, I want to look after them uh, and give them give them some. It may fall on deaf ears. What I'm doing now may be a total waste of time, but at least I've had a go. At least I can put my head on the pillow at night and say, listen, I, I, I've done something. You know, if, I, I couldn't be, I was so happy when Alan, after I think it was about forty-five minutes, an hour when it launched, he'd come out straight away, and then you had Steve Howard, you had Rob Lee, you've had other people now coming on, and that them type of people tell me we're doing something right. Um, so yeah, you know, we're, without getting the, the 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 tissues out, but uh, that's that's what it is. Too late. Too, Too late, late for that. You know I mean? Yeah.
2: Set us <laughs> yeah. so all off. I mean, you joined you joined the club. In 1995, you're the most expensive defender in the in the country at that time. I mean, you joined the club at that extraordinary moment at the start of the season or that summer before what I will call the title season. Um, give us a flavour of the of the club then, and um, you know what it was like to be part of that extraordinary sort of sad but amazing and brilliant season all at the same time.
4: It was incredible in, in every sense. It was, I mean, the, t- the team beforehand with the likes of Scott Sellers and Andy Cole, uh, the way that they was playing football at the time uh, uh, really lit up the Premier League. And as you know, at that time in 92, the Premier League had not just gone from, you know, predominantly pe- men watching it. It was kids, it was women. It had gone global. It, it erupted into yeah. this spectacle of it is now, you know, and the way it's looked at every corner of the world. And then to put on top of that, you know, I was at a record for 4 million um, for a defender. Just broke into the England setup, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Les Ferdinand two days later, which was 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 wonderful. Me and Les used to be in England. Where are you going? Where are you going? And we sit at the table asking each other. And lo and behold, Les comes in for six million. You know, and I think everybody remembers that that time when Kevin got on the steps and spoke about, look, we've let Andy Cole go. This is why we're doing it. And obviously, Les come in uh, as well. And then you know David Ginola, who was phenomenal, Shaka Amazing. Hislop, as well as the other players that you had. And the wellers, you know, the players that you already had there, are, are, are Peter Beersley, Rob Lee, Pavel Cernicek, you know, Darren Pete. Oh, the list goes on and on and on. And then to be involved in that type of football, uh, and the excitement of what had happened a couple of seasons before, they'd be building up, you know, whether it was sixth, second, and and then doing well in the Premier League. And then we come along to try and take us to the promised land. And for them, you know, opening games where the whole stadium was black and white. The first game against Coventry, we won 3-0. It could have been about eight or nine. It was just electric and the momentum, the excitement. But the togetherness that we had, you know, when we come in, it could have been easy for the other group of players to like, well, we've done this, why are you? But they wasn't, you know, Lee Clark, Steve Watson, you know uh, Stevie Howie, Robbie Elliott. You know people who's there welcome you in, coming into the club, um, and you could see you know the, the togetherness that we would go out and have a meal, we'd all be there. Okay, there'd be a few bottles of beer and maybe a glass of wine at the table, <laughs> but we'd, I, we'd all be there. But we, I don't want people to go away that we thought we was always you know out doing it. But we, whenever we went and when we played golf, even Philip Albert, I've got a great stuff. We used to play golf at um, numerous golf courses ar- ar- around the area. Philip was playing golf for two years. He didn't realise he was left-handed. He was using right-handed clubs, but he didn't care because he just wanted to be out with us. He wanted to be on a golf course with us. It wasn't until he remembered that he was actually left-handed. So we would go and play golf and we'd all be there. And he wasn't, you know, and he realised why he wasn't doing well and he was hitting the ball everywhere. He was using the bloody wrong clubs. But we used to do things together. Now, after the game, you know, we we used to go out with the girlfriends or wives or someone's birthday. And then, as I said, the granddad colour shirts. 10,000 people yeah. waiting for a shirt to come through and the excitement that we had and that experience. And then the pressure started about, you know, the, we get the defeat at Old Trafford. That was a, a slap in our face. Giggs to Cole!
1: Well, Newcastle know all about him. And they're on the receiving end. Alec Ferguson is thrilled. Andy Cole is thrilled.
4: But then we get back in the groove again and Christmas and we go into the New Year period. And I always go back, you know, to, to the game at uh, St James's Park when Cantona scored. Coming in, and he scored for Manchester United. Yeah, and really deflated us, And we never really got back. They've
3: been under the cosh for so much of this match. But six
4: minutes we played so game. well in the first half. And the made save and hitting the post. The atmosphere was was electric. You know, in hindsight, it was always a great thing. We come in at half-time, maybe because of the inexperience of all of us. And I'm talking about the coaching staff and, and everybody. At that time, because of the Premier League, how it was, the rally cry was, we've showed them once, let's do it again. Let's go and hammer these lot. Let's go mm-hmm. and show them. And then that would make the gap even bigger. We didn't. We got sucker punched. It could have been, we ain't losing this game. Whatever happens, we ain't going to lose the game. If we win it 2-0, 3-0, which we deserve, great, but we ain't going to lose it. We lost it. And then it was like sand going through your fingers. We, we, we couldn't get it back. But that was even at the end, and I'm sure you was at the stadium. Uh, people that might be listening and even maybe listen to this later, we did a lap of honour, and they 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 were singing our name. We're well, not our names personally, but the club's name was singing it. And we we felt we failed, we failed because mm-hmm. we come short. Um, and they were still there cheering us on, and you can see the Kevin's face. He he was you know trying to be grateful, but was a little bit embarrassed because we felt like we let you down we'd let you down because we, we got so fast, but that's why it was so brilliant. And then we, you know, we go again with Alan Shearer and we get back in there. Then we do get into FA cup finals. We do play in the champions league against Barcelona. And we felt that we was, we, we was one of the contenders. We was one of the top five or six in the premier league at the time. And then we all know the story what happened. How it all, you know, got broke up a little bit and, uh, We'd, but that time of being, a, you know, being involved was an imaginable time Like the city with the development that was going on, the restaurants, the bars, the apartments, the, the offices that was going on. It, it, it was a great time. Every, you know, every night you'd go out, there was people walking out, having food, hmm. drinking, whatever it was. It was just a social atmosphere. And that's, you know, again, even with the Mackhams and the smog in that region was great for everybody. Was great. We, you know, it was great. We always used to beat Borough uh, and things like that. Sunderland <laughs> would have some really, really good games <laughs> against them. But, but it would be, it'd be great for all of us. It'd be great for the whole. You know, I, I'm sure if you ask, as I said, Sunderland and Middlesbrough. You know, that that time was, was a great time for the for the region and for the area to have three teams in the Premier League and all doing well uh, was great. And you know, as I said, the only thing and there's not a day goes by that we don't think that we were disappointed we didn't win it. And again, not for us, it's for the fans, for the club, because when you see Blackburn, you see Leicester, and now obviously Liverpool got back in there, <coughs> it should have Newcastle United in there. It should, it should. It should but I but we failed, to, yeah. But
2: no, 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 no. I do want to tell you one <laughs> thing. A, you let nobody down, and I'm sure you yeah. do know that. And B, do not ever say that you failed, because you provided a city with those of us who were old enough to remember it, with the happiest memories of our footballing lives. You played yeah. a football that nobody has touched since. You can yeah. talk as much as you want about Man City and the rest of them. You played astonishing football. You represented us. You were part of us and we were you. And I'm afraid mm-hmm. that if that's failure, then I don't want success,
1: quite frankly, because yeah. it was it was astonishing. Yeah, I would second that, definitely. It was an incredible time. To be a fan as well. I mean, I was a, I was a boy. I was only, what, what would I have been, 13, 14 in that season? Um, and the feeling of being proud of of your club, of being proud of being a Newcastle fan, it was just absolutely incredible. The the excitement that you used to get going to games and and, and knowing that we could beat anybody who came up. And and the feeling then was just, I mean, obviously, 14-year-old, you've got all kinds of things running through your body, but that (laughs) was just amazing as as a teenager to have Newcastle and uh, uh, and just enjoying the football and like like George says, nobody I don't think any Newcastle fan would ever have classed that as a failure, uh, and and definitely you, you didn't let anybody down. I mean, get that out of your head because it's it's just simply not true, you know.
4: Yeah, it's just eternally just, grateful we, for it. To be honest, Warren, yeah, it's, we set off with Kevin to do it. That was our thing. And it, it means so much, you know, your kind words that you said. And that's what we set out to do. We set out to make people proud. We set out yeah. obviously to win, but we set out to have a a team that you'd be proud of. And that's what Kevin's always ingrained into us. And that's what Bobby did when he come back, you know, realise who you And we knew, we knew the blue chip players that he said. And that's why he made sure that Craig Bellamy, Kieran Dyer, Laurent Robert, you know, the list goes on and on that. It, this is what it means, and we was the ones that made sure that, and you know, we was proud to do that. So you know, that if we did that, then all right, we did succeed because that's what our goal was able to go and do. Personally, it was obviously the the, the medals, but you know, as I said, you can't have everything. But it was bloody, it was fun. It, it was great. <laughs> it certainly was. You said <laughs> it was great fun.
2: You said as well that people always had your back, but. It wasn't always easy for you either, was it? I mean, you had to earn your Spurs at Newcastle. You had to earn your respect. As you say, it wasn't like David Ginola coming in, doing a great trick and immediately kind of becoming a fan's favourite. You really had to work for your relationship with Newcastle fans, didn't you?
4: Yeah, and that's probably what makes it more so satisfying, is that I had to earn their respect. Um People make me laugh and I say, oh, was it because you was from London? It's because I weren't playing well. <laughs> That's basically it. I was having a bloody nightmare uh, and I had to try and get out of it. And like I go back to what I said earlier with, with John but my only way was to work hard. You know, when we was going, well, it was great. And then there was one or two instances that you give the ball away, you get deflection. Mm-hmm. And the harder I tried, the worse it was getting. Um but I had to keep going, you know. I got told twice your job was too small, never going to make it, you know. And played lower league football, and I didn't want to go back there. That's that. You, you think the Premier League's tough? Go and play non-league. <laughs> go and play in in the lower leagues. That's that. That's that's really tough. And uh, you know what I had to do was was get get going to work hard, played in different positions, and get through that. And I don't think there's any more satisfying than um, and it sticks in my mind. We played Crystal Palace at home. We got down to ten men. It's an FA Cup game. Uh, we look like we're going out of the FA Cup. And I had a good game. And, and to all of a sudden realise, and because I'm caught up in the moment, that the, the whole stadium was singing my name. <laughs> That's special. You know, that don't happen to everybody. That doesn't have of, of course, it happens to Alan <laughs> because it was in his contract. i have quick story as well. Alan's probably never... T- when we used to do a team talk with Bobby, Kev, Kevin's different because Kevin would call Alan and a lot of them by your first name or your nicknames. But Bobby would put a team out. So it'd be like Given, Barton. Um, you know, there'd be different names that they would put out. Um, Dabizad, Lee, Speed, Robert. It would be Alan. It'd be yeah. Alan. That's fun, that's Alan. Like, know, what, can you not, not spell Shearer? I was like, I, you know, it, it's not worth doing but it. But it was, it was always Al. But anyway, that's uh, yeah. there was a, that that was a big, big part of it all. But it was, it was, as I said, wonderful time.
1: When Warren, you're when,
4: still sorry, George. I was going to say, sure. Warren,
1: you're still one of the one of the very few Newcastle players who's had a fan chant written about his hair, and you don't get. There's not I, many of those.
4: <laughs> my, my, I told my, my sons obviously they're older now but when they say it's like dad why do they sing about your hair not about maybe crossing the ball or defending the goal or just I said you know, maybe it covered over a lot of things about about the hair, but uh, it it was it was a great flock of hair anyway. Bez tried to do it, but <laughs> I, had of, I had the same hair. I
1: had the Be- same hair at Be- that time.
4: <laughs> Bez, was, Bez was out of a bottle, but to uh, <laughs> come along. But yeah, it was uh, it it was flowing looks. It looked good in the lights.
2: And I mean, Rootlett did get quite a few sort of things wrong at Newcastle, but one thing he got very right was when he said that every team needs a needs a Warren Barton and. You knew exactly what he meant because you talked about your work, work rate and your attitude and that kind of constant desire to kind of get better and improve yourself. But he was also talking about your sort of contribution off the pitch, which I sort of in the dressing room, which I guess fans just won't have sort of seen or appreciated Mm. at the time.
4: No, and and Rob Lee gave me, He don't normally have too many compliments, Rob Lee, but Rob Lee gave me the biggest compliment. When I left uh, to go to derby, he said, (laughs) it's a backhanded compliment if you want to with Rob is that we may not miss him on the field, but we miss him on, off the field. And I don't want to say it may it wouldn't have happened, but what happened to Bobby towards the end of that time wouldn't have happened with the younger players if, if I was involved. I'm not mm. saying they, they would have listened to me all the time, but I would have tried to nipped it in the bud. You don't argue with him. You don't disrespect him you don't do that if you've got anything to say say it in the open and and that type of thing and what I tried to do even the new players that come in you know when Naberto come in made sure that you know we had George Courtney there and we had other people in the club but you know to make sure that they, they they felt welcome to be involved and you know to let them know where certain areas are what we're doing you know that's the things that I felt was important and again I was involved in the PFA I was PFA chairman for a couple of years but yeah you do need that type of person because we all can't be Alan we all can't be that And, and even you know what was great that's why you know Shay Given would always be around Gary Rob that would help what was going on if if there was an appearance that we had to do in the city or go out of town or go to a school it wouldn't just be Alan 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 I'd say come on Kieran you've got to go Craig you've got to go but I'd put him with you know with with Gary or with Rob or with that and made sure that it was that they was looked after and when their girlfriends come to the stadium or wives that they knew where the players' lounge was, all the things that, yeah, and that's why, you know, I was vice captain, maybe when Rob was injured or Alan or whoever it was, then I was involved. But I think obviously as well, the players sort of, you know, gravitated to me and respected me Um, in that respect because I, you know, again, I had their back a little bit.
0: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply? See terms at discover.com/slash credit card.
2: I suppose you've sort of talked about this at the start a bit, but when you see this current version of Newcastle, it does give you feelings of anger and sort of upset. I mean, partially that is because you've seen the club at the absolute mm-hmm. sort of opposite. I mean, you know, you you do you do your media work now, obviously with for, for Fox Sports and stuff like that. How do you feel when you watch this Newcastle play?
4: You mean on the field or how they... Well, a bit, of was, both, a bit of both, a bit of both. Yeah, I mean, that's why I got so frustrated. The Sheffield United game away was... Oh. God. Was, the, was the end for me. That you're playing against a team that, has, you know, at the time I was always trying to find a positive out of negativity. We started off well, good signings at the stand, go down to West Ham and went two. now. I'm thinking, yeah, we've got Wilson, we've got some Fraser, we've got some good players, Richie I like. We, we've got a nucleus of being a good team if we're aggressive in the way we play. And, you know, no mm. one can foresee how the pandemic, but everyone's going to go through that, you know, and, and and obviously injuries. But it just started to snowball into negativity playing at home against teams letting them have possession of the ball letting them dictate and then the, the Sheffield United game away from home that haven't won a game they was petrified of the next game but we went out there and let them get momentum let them get possession and even beforehand which and that just shows you you know some of the pundits were saying you know Steve's doing a great job but we feel Sheffield United can beat him today i, I couldn't understand that version it was <laughs> like well if you're doing yeah. a good job how are you then going to lose against you but they'd seen that they was being loyal to Steve by saying he's doing a good job because Steve has got a lot of friends and, and rightly so. That's how maybe people see it. And But I'm asked my opinion and that's what I, I gave. And then when I see the Sheffield United game, it just it just lit me off because I, I, I could feel that we was weak. We was vulnerable. And I we ain't vulnerable. Newcastle United, for me, is not a vulnerable team. It's not a vulnerable football club. Regardless of the ownership, regardless of what's going on, who's who's running the show, when you put that shirt on and you go out as a coach, you set your team out. And you, and you just said, it whenever we played and we used to lose games, but we'd go out there and we'd try and beat teams. And we would beat teams. This team was good enough to go and beat Sheffield United. And we didn't. We let that go and it snowballed into anarchy, into chaos because then there was changing the system and then Steve come out and said, we're going to do it my way. And then people are arguing on the field and... And then it just erupted into a volcano, because and it's one situation that changed it because that was enough. We we sat through enough because we'd won a game here and there. We was mid table, and that, that even that was pissing me off a little bit. That oh, we're happy to be mid table. Yeah, yeah, we shouldn't be happy to be mid table. Yeah. You shouldn't, as a coach. I don't go into it. Whatever my brief is from the owner is just to keep us up. My brief is not when I've managed Newcastle United. If it's West Brom and no disrespect, Brighton, Fulham, what. If that that might be their brief, but if I'm a if I'm a, a manager a coach of Newcastle, it's not just to survive, it's to challenge Leicester. Mm. Look what Brendan Rodgers is doing. I'm not saying he's, he's the finished article by long, but at least when he goes out, they're looking to win a game. They might win it with Vardy breaking away, but when they go forward, they're gonna get four or five in the box. We were sitting back with our three <laughs> offensive players 40 yards from our goal. Mm. You know, it's you know, it it was that's really the 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 reason why the anger is there because then I looked at the game against Aston Villa when they lost and the players are on the floor. The staff walk in the tunnel. That hit home to me. And then I look at the players and not one of them picked each other up. That was a sign. Now, even with Rude, you know, Rude did, was, was his own person, his man management skill and the way he was, you know, he would have gone and done his thing we would have got ourselves together. I remember we had conversation after some game, Southampton away from home. He weren't even there. He was probably in Holland somewhere. We got together and said, "We ain't having this. We ain't playing like this." You know, we got to sort it out. And I'm not saying everybody, but there was enough of us in there. Mm-hmm. We shut the door at, at uh, Maiden Castle, and we said, "We ain't happening. This this ain't this ain't the right way to play." And we okay. I'm not saying that we changed it, but we end up getting to a cup final, and uh, and. And we done well, and we, we got ourselves in a respectable position at that mm. time. And then the rest the rest is obviously history. Bobby come in, but there, there's just signs that just grind me the wrong way. And it's again, in, I can people make mistakes, as you said, I'd made mistakes, but it's reacting afterwards. And the easy thing for a lot of them was to walk away from it. You you can't not 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 with this football club.
2: I'm going to try and try and bring this back round to the start, because I know we've only really got very limited limited time with you. And you can't live in the past and the game's changed and all that kind of stuff. But the thing about your Newcastle and the Newcastle we saw then was that, okay, fine, if they change managers, the idea was that the next fellow will win us something. He'll be the one that does it. And at every single moment, the club were trying. The club was trying to do something. And the team was trying to do something. And this version of Newcastle, this version that we've had for 10, 14 years now, is not trying anymore. And that's the bit that hurts. And I think that's the idea, really. That's the big idea behind the pledge, isn't it? That if the club is not going to try on our behalf, that we have to do it. We have to do it for them.
4: No doubt. Yeah, As I said, we've been quiet for too long, the, the, the fans. We, we, we've sat down. Now it's about us. It's about us doing something that's going to be positive, be uplifting and to show people. And as I said way, way before, Joel, this might be to kick up the backside that this football club needs. It might be, hold on a minute, look what we are playing for. You know, he said it after scoring the winning goal, you know, for the fans. Talk's cheap. We know that. But at least, you know, for us to react as a a pledge to to get everybody involved all over the world for this this club, is set a tone because it's, people wasn't sure how it was going to go and it's made an impact and people are sitting up taking notice. And that's what we're trying to do. The hardest thing now is to keep it going, to keep yeah. going, to keep keep it motivated. And that's what we want to try and do. And that's why, as I said, I think the first game there'd be that frenzy of positivity and that togetherness. And hopefully that, that can carry it forward.
2: 48,545 quid exactly amazing. now. It's incredible,
1: isn't it? Absolutely amazing.
4: In this time Absolutely as well, amazing. you know, and in a time that's difficult. but At least people can go in the garden now and get their hair cut. Another deal. you be freezing. You'd be freezing your cuds off, but it'd be. Hair, that's right? it, yeah. That's it. Uh, you have got a bit been, of
1: a mullet going on here at the minute. I need <laughs> I'm desperate for a cut. Michael sent a parting in tribute. You should but. do that. <laughs> you should do that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, Warren, very cruelly, bringing it back round to the weather at the end. But there you exactly. go, there yeah. there <laughs>
1: go. Well, Warren, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you, and it has been genuinely emotional at times as well. Good luck with the, the Guardian uh, position, working with the Trust. Thanks so much for coming on and, and giving us your time today. It's, it's been fantastic talking. We've really enjoyed it.
4: No, it's an absolute pleasure. Uh, and any time, and as I said, it's it, it, it comes from the heart. I mean it. Um, and I, all I ever want is the best for the people in the club.
1: Thank you. Cheers, Warren. Fantastic. Cheers, guys. Thank you Thanks, very much. Warren. Thanks, Warren. See you later.
3: Patty!
2: it's a good save but Barton
4: from close range finally gives Newcastle what they've been seeking all afternoon and spoils Tottenham's day
1: so well there you go George that was that was absolutely incredible that
2: every podcast
1: needs a Warren Barton do you think we can get him subbed permanently for Chris that's, or that's, not i i feel <laughs>
2: I feel oh God, let's do that. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> he can't be a he can't be a worse writer because oh no, let's let's Chris no, is, let's know. Chris, Chris, Chris is, is a listen, lovely Oh, he is. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Chris. Um, no, I mean I feel That's... stirred and I feel moved listening to you. I was don't you? I
1: have to be honest, I was on the verge a couple of times during that. Uh, I think he was. I was very emotional. It's do you know what? It's it's fantastic to see somebody. Um, speaking with, well, with that kind of passion, that kind of emotion, somebody who's not directly linked to the region, to the area, but has played for the club, somebody that we're always told we don't like outsiders and all that sort of bullshit. But then to hear Warren talking like that, it it felt fantastic. It, it genuinely made me feel emotional a couple of times listening to him speak like that and it's oh, it's an amazing feeling it's it, it was brilliant i loved i loved listening to him talk with such passion about the club i think it's just I think fantastic
2: you're absolutely right i think that is one of the most sort of special things when somebody who isn't necessarily from the area comes mm. here falls in love with the place with the club and it it resonates with them because they get it because so it feels like so much of our time we're talking about people who don't get it who just yeah. don't use their eyes who don't you know, who don't sort of bother asking the question about what's going on and what's been going on, and he just gets it to the core of his core of his being. He obviously, re- you know, he represents a very special moment um, yeah. at the club or a very special era of the club. But for him to still be so passionately engaged and involved, obviously with the pledge scheme, is is just is just great. He's a great advocate yeah. on behalf of, of fans, and um, yeah. there aren't enough of those about. No, what a fella! What a fella! What a
1: smashing bloke as well to boot. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, uh, Well, it's it, it, it's nice to actually uh, have the chance to talk a little bit about, about a positive with Newcastle United, obviously beating Burnley 2-1 at the weekend and uh, Alan St-Maximin going on like a man with a point to prove uh, and doing it himself. A fantastic result. Um, a, 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 well, let's not say a decent performance because it was pretty dog shit, wasn't it, up until about two-thirds of the way through the game. But it's nice to be able to say we've got the three points.
2: Yeah, just a massive relief. I was I was there, so Chris is Chris is off this week, so I had the delights of uh, I had the delights of Burnley, and mm. you know, for 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 that look cold, George. It was freezing. It was beautiful, <laughs> but it was freezing. All the snow on the hills, and um, no, you know, sort of for that first half, that feeling was just so sort of familiar. That sinking feeling, having they've done okay against Spurs. They've maybe you know set out with a different way of playing. And then it's that sort of old familiar thing of they do the same sort of thing. It's the same system. It's the same team. And they were awful. They were really awful. Um, yeah. But with someone like St Maximan there, they have somebody who can make a difference. And him and Wilson coming on changed the complexion. They just, just changed the complexion. And Burnley were terrified. And yeah, our producer, Ollie, made the point that in actual fact, Andy Jones, who came on the podcast last week, our Burnley writer, spoke with unerring uh, predictive <laughs> powers <did> about <laughs> Burnley not wanting to be run at by St max But that's exactly what happened. He he terrified yeah. them, didn't he? He terrified he them. He certainly did. And how nice is it to see a player uh, in the Newcastle team just playing without freedom and, and yeah. creativity?
1: There was a fantastic angle of his goal as well, where it was kind of from behind and above, where it's one of the only times I've ever seen a cameraman possibly have to pay to get back into the ground uh, <laughs> after a goal. He just completely missed it. He, he took a sidestep, and the camera was away, wasn't it? It's fantastic! Yeah. Send him to the shops for a Gazette. Oh, wonderful stuff! Yeah, yeah,
2: and brilliant. You know, it 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 raises, you know, raise... Well, I mean, the 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 first thing to say is. It just puts a bit of daylight at the bottom there now, doesn't it? With Fulham, uh, you know, losing another game on Friday night. You know, there is now a cushion. More importantly, I think, you know, um, Brighton, we don't know how they've they've got on. But, um, you know, Burnley are back in it now. So there's other teams back in it. It's not just that straight shootout between Newcastle and Fulham. And they've given them, you know, they gave themselves a platform and they didn't fall off it. You know, that is the nice thing. That's the yeah. nice thing about it. And it just quietens everything down. Um, it doesn't sort of answer all the questions, all the existential angsty questions we have about the team and the club it and doesn't. the management and the ownership. But it's a win and they haven't been enough.
1: Well, it gives Newcastle fans a nice weekend and also a good feeling going into the week when the pubs reopen as well. It'd be nice to to good celebrate point. with a with a couple of pints and, uh, and enjoy uh, having a week where we're not, constantly looking over our shoulders uh, at what's coming up behind us. So this week, it's nice to say that we've managed to get that three points and uh, and and put a little bit of breathing space between us and Fulham. Who knows, though, we've got difficult games coming up in the next few weeks. We now have a run uh, where we're playing a lot of top-half teams and, you know, we can't take our eye off the ball, George. We've got to be very careful in this next few weeks. Uh, and if Fulham start picking up points, it could all suddenly go tits up, couldn't it? Oh, yeah,
2: definitely. Um, and it would be very Newcastle if that if that happened. But I think the thing is that uh, certainly after that first half performance at Burnley, you felt that, you know, they weren't going to get enough there, they weren't going to get a win there, and then they would be facing that, um, that sort of run-in, which does look very, very tough. Having given themselves a bit of a gap, there is at least some freedom there. They should have the freedom to take these games on now, I would like to think, with a bit of positivity. And hopefully Steve Bruce can find a way of, Kind of integrating Saint Maximat into the team in a in a way that allows him to be effective because we've seen what he can do. It's about encouraging him to do that week in week out.
1: So one one last thing before we do go, George, do you want to tell people about how they can get involved in the in the eighteen ninety two pledge?
2: Yes, I think it's probably important that people uh, are fully fully informed if they don't know about the about the pledge scheme yet. So the best way of doing that is probably going via. Uh, the Newcastle United Supporters Trust website first off have a look there look at the work of the trust and look uh, look at what they're trying to do and from there um, you can go to the pledge scheme so if you go to uh, www.nufctrust.co.uk that is www.nufctrust.co.uk they will answer
1: your questions fantastic well let's wrap it up there George it's been fun thanks very much and uh, we shall be back very soon with another episode of pod on the time thanks again to warren barton for joining us an absolutely fantastic emotional and uh, entertaining chat with him and uh, keep yourself on theathletic.com look out for the new pieces coming from george and chris over the next few days we'll be back speaking to you very soon it's been great fun thanks a lot for listening see you later
0: an official partner of The Athletic.